I just pray, Lord, that you'll just continue to bless Awake um, Vancouver and that you will just continue to open the doors, the floodgates of Awake Vancouver, just to reach all those people and just begin to, as you grow this church, which I know and, and trust and believe you're going to do, just provide all the support that's needed. And we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor uh, Marlon is now going to give you an amazing message on the blesser God. Thank you. All right. Numbers chapter 6. We should turn there. I really do love your pastor. Uh, Brent has been an amazing friend, uh, embraced our family from day one. I get together with him and a few of the other Calvary Chapel pastors, Lower Mainland Calvary Chapel pastors, once a month, and we have just a great time of fellowship and encouraging one another. We spend a lot of time picking on Brent, um, but because we love him so much. Uh, but I, 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 even as I was praying and thinking about your church, pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor. Um, you know, I, I know any pastor carries a, a pretty heavy load and a great burden if, if this isn't just a job, but it, it's a calling, and I know for Brent it is. Um, and I know that he loves you very much, and he loves this city very much. But I just want to encourage you, you you're, you're blessed with a good one. So treat him right, love on him, and continue to pray for him and his family, okay? Numbers, chapter 6. Can you stand with me for the reading of God's word? We're going to pick up in verse 22. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Heavenly Father, we, we do come before you again. And I ask that you'd bless this time now as we turn our attention towards your word. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds, Jesus. Block out every wondering thought, every distraction that is prone to pull us away. If we're thinking about work tomorrow or lunch later today, God, just help us to sit at the feet of Jesus and glean everything that you have for us. Most importantly, God, I pray that, that we would walk back out those doors different than the way that we first walked in. Changed, touched, anointed, filled, revived, moved by your Holy Spirit. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So the title for today's message is The Blesser God. Uh, I'm pretty sure blesser is not a word. I, I do recognize that, at least because of my spell check, when it gives you like the little red underline and says, hey, that's not a word, but I like it. And I'm pretty sure that that's a good description of who God is. So we're going to go with the blesser God today. All right. Let me ask you a question. What is your natural default setting? Default setting meaning the, the things that you do or the ways that you act the personality or attitudes that you have that you just naturally gravitate towards without even thinking about it. For example, what would be your natural default food? If you're about to grab a snack in the kitchen, what are you going to grab? Cheese. Crackers and cheese. Crackers and cheese. Cho chocolate. Honest one right there. 
Ice cream, another honest one. Fruit, fruit, you guys are liars. <laughs> liars. Okay. Nuts, yeah, I'm a salt freak. So I'm gonna grab nuts or chips. Very good. What would be your natural music default? If we hopped in your car right now, what would be on the dial tune? Southern gospel. My man, we're going to talk about that in a second. Praise God for you, sir. Blues. Oldie 70s rock. Okay. 103 point. All right, all right. Okay. Any country fans? Okay. My wife's from Idaho, so I was like, I, I got to be generous to my country friends. Okay. For me, my natural default is usually hip-hop, R&B. Uh, I love Lecrae. Any Lecrae fans? Good. NF fans? So you can see, like, the age disparity here. <laughs> it's okay. It, it's Christian, and it is good. They love Jesus, right? But right now, my natural default has been gospel. Oh, man. It is like getting your holy swag on. Like, it is so nice to be able to listen to music that glorifies God, but yet you can like lift up your hands and praise and just feel it. And it's biblical, right? You see David just getting down in the Bible when he's worshiping. So there's been one song in particular. It's a new song by Kurt Franklin. It's called The Love Theory. I'm going to play you a little snippet. Is that okay? Okay, listen up. Brothers and sisters, I want to welcome you back to life. Back to the one that can make your next chapter your best chapter. Hallelujah. How can it be? All right, that you we're good. Come on. You cannot not listen to that and not at least just start tapping your foot a little bit. Right, Riverside? So good. Listen to the rest of the song when you get home today. It's so rich and so beautiful. What else? What is your natural default TV show? The go-to TV show? Jeopardy. Man, I heard, I mean, we need to pray for Alex, right? Like, I, I heard that he's got cancer. Yeah, that's sad. God friended me. Okay, okay. Seinfeld, classic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyone else? Default TV shows? Perry Mason. Hey, I grew up on Perry Mason and Madlock, so yeah, I'm with you. Andy Griffith grew up on that too, yeah. Wheel of Fortune. Very good. My, my kids have recently rediscovered Family Matters. Remember Family Matters? Steve Urkel, pants high, suspenders, glasses. Yeah. Great show. Great show. Family friendly. They're laughing at all the corny jokes, so I'm really digging it. How about end of the work day? You get home from work. What is your default setting? Couch. Honest. Netflix. Music. Pajamas, yeah. food. <laughs> what is my point? Simply this. We all have natural default settings. Things that we naturally gravitate towards or do most of the time without thinking. And, and here's the point for today. We have those same default settings when it comes to God. But sad to say, a lot of times these aren't good default settings. We, we've been programmed to think about God in certain ways that a lot of times not good. Perhaps yours is that God is an angry God. Maybe you think that God is a distant God. Or maybe yours is that God is a boring God. 
Now, why is this important? Well, A.W. Tozer says this, your thoughts about God are the most important things about you. And he's right. Because the way that you think about God will inevitably play out in the way that you live your life. Your thoughts about God are going to dictate your actions and relationships with him and with others. If you have the viewpoint that God is an angry God, then I'm always going to feel condemned. Never going to feel like I can live up to God's expectations. If my default setting is that God is a distant God, then I can't trust him. I have to rely on myself to get things done. If my default setting is that God is a boring God, then I'm going to be looking to other things and other people to fulfill the lack or void that's in my heart. These default settings usually aren't good, but we fall into them without even realizing it. It, it, It's just been there for so long, then that's just how we approach life, and that's how we approach God. And it gets harder and harder to change as the years go on. We begin to cement ourselves in those vantage points about God. But we're going to change that this morning, Calvary Riverside. This morning, we are going to hit the reset button, and we're going to look at what God says about himself. Not what you feel about God, not what you've been taught about God or grew up thinking about God. We're going to look at how God describes himself to us. All right? Look again at the book of Numbers, chapter 6. In verse 24, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. A little background on what's going on here. The children of Israel have been with the Lord now and camped at Mount Sinai for about a year. In this period of time, they've seen God do some really amazing things. When they were in bondage in Israel, they saw God deliver them with a mighty hand. Ten plagues, ten catastrophic events, supernatural, could have only come from God. And they witnessed it. And for parts of it, he protected them from it, right? And then they were driven out of Egypt only to come to the edge of the Red Sea. And as they were there at the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army was, you know, right behind them, hot on their tail, getting ready to drive them into the sea. And what did God do? Parted the Red Sea and had them go through on dry ground. They watched as God miraculously provided for them day after day. They, they couldn't sit, set up and, and farm and grow food, so what did he do? He brought manna down from heaven and fed them each and every day with it. Amazing things that they've seen from God. But now they've been camped at Mount Sinai for a while. And we all know what happens here. They, they just witnessed a large portion of their friends and family members and coworkers be struck down by God. Literally, the earth open up and swallow and take them in. Why? Because they, they started a rebellion. You remember the story of the golden calf and, and how they rebelled against God and against his leadership. And so God struck most of them down dead. And, and then he, he gives the law to Moses. And Moses comes down and, and, and for a year just reads them this law. Regulation after regulation, rule after rule, day after day, you're just hearing about these ordinances and commandments. Now, I don't know about you, 
But when you start a new job and you have to go through the orientation process, especially like the safety part of that job, the safety orientation part of a, a, a job, and that is like the most boring part of getting hired for a new job. It was like, I don't want the job after going through that video or, or the, the books and stuff that you have to read. No, no matter how you try and spice up the safety orientation, the rules and the regulations, it's still really, really boring. And you're falling asleep and you're just wishing, man, could anything happen to get me out of this room? And that's what they've been going through. They're sitting here getting these rules and regulations day after day after day. And I'm sure it's starting to warp their view about God. Like, is, is this really a God that we want to serve? Is this really someone we want to be in a relationship with? And so what does God do? He calls Moses in there and says, hey, we got to do something here. Here's what I want you to do. And he gives them this script, a short little statement here in Numbers chapter 6 that describes himself. And he says, I want you every day, twice a day, to give this to the people so that that way they really know who I am. It reveals his character, his nature, his true heart and love for his people. So let's take a look at it. The first thing he says, the Lord bless you. What is the very first thing that God wants his people to know about himself? He's the blesser God. He is the blesser God, right? That's why we had to come up with a new word for it because it's that amazing. The word bless can be translated to make happy. Now you might be thinking, to make happy? I mean, I've been going to church my entire life and I've never heard anyone say that God is interested in my happiness. Yeah, he loves me. Yeah, he cares about me, but interested in my happiness? That he's actually concerned for things that like I like and enjoy? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. But that's what he's saying here. He is a God that loves you. He is a God that loves to bless you. He is a God that is concerned with your happiness. But you're thinking, no, not my God. My God's more like the fun police. He's this big guy up in the sky somewhere, and he's got this gigantic fly swatter. And anytime I get out of line or anytime I'm about to do something fun or cool, bam, he just smacks me on the head. That's my God. And so because of that, what do we do? We keep our distance from God. We understand that, you know, through Jesus is the way of salvation. So we get close enough just to not burn in hell and to get our get out of jail free card. But we stay far away because if I get too close, if I really give myself over to the Lord, and then he's going to wrestle me down and make me do all kinds of things that I don't want to do. Sound about right? Yeah. That is the default setting that we usually have when it comes to the Lord. But guys, that is the wrong view of God. That is the wrong view of God. God says here that he is a blesser. Turn over, turn back to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, God says to Abraham, 
Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you great and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in the families and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed by you. What word is repeated over and over and over again in those verses? Bless. Bless. God starts this relationship with Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want to bless you. I want you to know that I am a good God who loves you and wants to see good things happen to you. He promises him here to give him descendants, right? A happy family, to, to send him to a fruitful land. He's going to provide for him. Good health, right? All these things protect him from his enemies. The, the God that promises all these things to Abraham, guys, is the same God that is the God on the throne today. Same God. He is still the blesser God. Uh, last summer, I got a phone call from a, a friend of mine. He pastors a Calvary Chapel in Maui. And we had drifted apart over the years, and so we were catching back up, and I'm, you know, teasing him of how awful of a place, you know, it is to serve the Lord in Maui, and, you know, how, how you know, he should leave and pack up and go somewhere else. And then he says, hey, how would you like to come and teach our men's conference, right? And I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Never been to Hawaii. Have always wanted to go, right? And there's no way. I live in Vancouver. There's no way I'm going to afford to be able to take a trip to Hawaii. And so he's telling me all about the conference. And, and so I decided, hey, how about this? Instead of paying an honorarium or, you know, giving me anything for coming, can I do this? Can I exchange that for another ticket to bring my wife with me? Because since we've been here, man, it's been difficult. And she's gone through a lot. And, and with five children and small budget, it's like date night is usually like a coffee at Tim Hortons or something like that, right? But to be able to, to have the opportunity to take her with me to Hawaii, oh, what a blessing. And so he agreed, and oh, I was so happy and like jumping around for like, the next couple months until we, we got to leave. It was a fantastic trip, and I, I love that I was able to bring my wife along with it. But here's the other neat part of that story. We get to the airport, and the, the terminal, the, the gate area, it's just packed with people. And so it's one of those flights where you're starting to worry, like, did they oversell the flight? And sure enough, the lady gets on the, the intercom and says, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but we have overbooked this flight, and we're looking for volunteers to be able to come and push back to another flight so that we can accommodate everyone. And what's everyone doing? No one's getting up. So then the next, next announcement, okay, we will give you some compensation if you, okay, now people are a little more interested. And so I turned to my wife, and I was like, hey, we're actually early for this conference. We're leaving a day ahead of time. Why don't I just go see what they're offering? And so I, I go up to the information desk, and I'm talking with the lady, and she was like, okay, Mr. Brown, well, you know, we can probably offer you some food vouchers and maybe, you know, like $200 towards your, your next flight. And it's like, okay, well, you know, if you need us to do it, we're, we're open to doing it. I'm sure there's other people who really need to get there, so we're fine. So we sit back down. The flight starts to board, and everyone gets on, and so she calls forward the people that did volunteer to move to the next flight. And so I'm, I'm talking with her, and she was like, okay, Mr. Brown, here's the deal. Since you have volunteered to do this, we are going to give you and your wife both 
$50 food vouchers to be able to eat anywhere in the airport. And not only will we give you, or not are we just giving you the $200 vouchers for a flight, but we're giving you $500 vouchers towards another flight. And not each, but a piece. And I was like, lady, you had me at like $50 food voucher. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm good. Where do I sign? And what a blessing it was. And I, I thank God, especially because, and, and here's the last part of that story. Um, my, my wife has been dying to be able to go visit her best friend who lives in Italy. She's a missionary there. And again, there's no way we can afford that. But now we have basically $1,000 worth of, of uh, continental air voucher things where she can go and hopefully be able to visit her friend. And I'm sitting there in the airport just sitting back thinking, man, Lord, not only did you bless us with this trip to Maui, but on top of that, like you've given us this wonderful opportunity for something else. And that's not me. I couldn't have orchestrated that. Who was that? That's the Lord. Because he is the blesser God. Now, please don't mistake what I'm saying here. Okay? I'm not saying that the, the way that God blesses is just in material ways that he's going to give you the house and the car and the boat and everything else, right? That, that's not the emphasis here. Do I believe that he blesses in those ways? Absolutely. Because I think that he's a God that loves to give good gifts to his children. But there are so many other wonderful gifts that he's already given you. John three sixteen, you know the verse. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can mic drop it right there. That's how big of a blesser he is. He gave you his only son. Now, you guys seem like nice people. I haven't got to meet most of you. I would love to. And I, I know that you love Jesus, so that's another notch in the plus category for you. But here's the deal. If one of you needed help, I am not sacrificing one of my sons for you. Now, they annoy me. <laughs> and I, I might threaten to, to donate them to a charity or send them somewhere far. But if you needed help, I'm not sacrificing my kid for you. But God did. He gave his beloved son for you. That's how much he blesses you. Lamentations 3.24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. What is that verse saying? He himself is the blessing. He's your portion. God himself is the blessing. And you can have as much of God as you want. Right? That's who God is. He is the blesser. The next part of the verse. The Lord bless you and keep you. Some of you are here this morning and have a default setting that says, God doesn't really care about me. You've been hurt, and understandably so. You've been burnt. You've had some really awful things happen to you. And so it's created this default setting that says, God doesn't really care about me. He doesn't look after me. He doesn't want to help me or protect me from me. He, he let it happen. And it's created this negative default setting. But here, the Hebrew word to keep is shamar. And it means to safeguard or to protect. So not only does God bless you, but what does he do? He watches out for you. 
and he protects you. He is the ultimate parent. When I was in high school, um, played a lot of sports growing up, and I got to that age where I thought I was big and bad and, and tough and, you know, like most knucklehead teenagers. And so I was in a game, and the game started getting a bit physical, a little bit of pushing and shoving, and the guy that I was matched up against, like, you know, we're pushing and shoving a bit. And the final whistle blows, and he gives me a shove. Boom. Good hard shove. So I was like, Psh, forget that. And so I push him back really, really hard, and he stumbles back a little bit. But I turn to walk away thinking that everything's done. And then I hear someone yell, turn around! And I turn around, and this guy is just booking it for me. And he's got his fist drawn, and so what's my natural reaction? I draw back, and boom! Hit him, like, square in the face. And he drops down to the ground. And so I'm thinking, fight's over, we're good, I'm going home, until I realize I am on his side of the field, right next to his bench. So you know what happens next? Everyone starts chasing after me. The big tough guy act went right out the window. And now I'm in the running for my life act. And I'm running all over this field, like pushing people, throwing fists, just trying to survive. Now, I had been on that team since I was like nine or 10 years old. I grew up with these guys. They were friends. They were more than friends. They were like brothers. Do you know what they did in that moment when I was in the fight? Nothing. Absolutely nothing stood there frozen like statues. Do you know who did do something? My mom. <laughs> My mom. My mom gets out of her lawn chair with her big long umbrella and starts taking off her earrings. She's like, oh no, this ain't happening to my baby. Let, understand this, my mom is from Compton my dad is from Watts. If you've never heard of these places, Google them. They're like the most dangerous places on the planet, right? So they don't play around. And so when her baby was in trouble, what did my mom, what was her natural default setting? I am going to protect my baby. And she did. She cleared the path to get me back to the other side of the field, right? The ultimate parent. But who's the ultimate parent in this verse? The Lord. The Lord. He is the God that is always there to have your back. He is the God that is always there to protect you. Proof text, look at Psalm 121. Turn over there. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and when? Even forevermore. He is the God that keeps you and protects you. Not sleeping on the job, he is always there. Back to Numbers. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Next thing, the Lord make his face shine upon you. Now, what does that mean? 
We, we don't hear that phrase too often. We don't see people walking around saying, oh, good day, sir. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Right? That, that's not a, a common way that we talk anymore. But it's a, it's a Hebrew idiom. It's slang. And we are very, very familiar with slang. When someone says, oh, man, that's really cool. They're not saying it's like temperature cold. They're saying it's, it's very nice. When someone says, oh, that's so hot. They're not saying, hey, temperature-wise, it's hot. They're just saying that it's, it's something amazing or awesome. When I first moved to Canada, I had to adopt your idiotisms, your slangs, not calling you idiots, the idioms, right? I, I had to figure out your figures of speech. So when people kept saying, A, 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 I finally realized, oh, you're just asking me if I agree. Like, hey, the Canucks are starting to improve. Maybe they'll make the playoffs. Probably not this year, but maybe next year. A, Sure, yeah, I agree with that. When someone talks about a toque, a toque, first I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Until I finally realized, oh, a wool hat. I call it a beanie, toque's fine. When you're at Tim Hortons and you order a double-double, what are you talking about? There you go, two creams, two sugars. You understand, figures of speech, right? And that's exactly what's going on here. It's a figure of speech. This means that God is favorable to you. Think of it this way. Literally, you put a smile on God's face. Now that makes it a lot more beautiful, doesn't it? That is what he's saying. You put a smile on my face. You brighten up my day. See, we get told all the time, oh, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, and we believe it. But the default setting is, yeah, God loves me, but I don't think he likes me that much. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, I like you. I like you. You brighten up my day. You put a smile on my face. I actually like you. With, with five kids, they are always trying to get my attention. And they do all sorts of weird things, weird dances and weird songs. And my son's really into video games, so he's always asking, oh, dad, dad, can you come sit here and, and watch me play video games? I'm like, no, I don't want to sit here and watch you. I got better things to do with my time than to watch you play video games. Right? But why are they doing that? They're doing that because they want my attention. They're doing that because they want to say, yeah, I know dad loves me, but does he like me? Does he like me? Does he really want to engage with me? But here's the deal. There's nothing extraordinary about what they're doing. The silly dance, the silly song, it's not that great, we're being honest. And certainly, I'm not going to love my son more because he's able to advance the next level in some video game. But I do like him. I do like my son a lot. I like all of my kids a lot. Why? Because they're my kids. They're my kids. They bring a smile to my face, not because of the things they're doing. They bring a smile to my face because they're simply mine. Because they're simply mine. I like them. Because that's the way that God views you. He likes you simply because you're his. He likes you simply because you're a part of his family. Right? The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you, the next part says. And be gracious to you. Grace is an amazing, amazing gift. If you don't understand grace, friends, um, you don't understand God. 
And I would really, really encourage you to, to study that topic more. Some great books out there. Chuck Smith, kind of the founder of Calvary Chapel, wrote an amazing book called Why Grace Changes Everything. Phenomenal. Really changed my life. But you've got to understand grace because grace is everything to a Christian. It's everything to our walk with the Lord. It means unmerited favor. Getting what you don't deserve. And we could talk about so many different examples of grace. Because so much of our relationship with God is based on grace. But the one thing that I just can't get over is God's grace shown through his patience. His grace shown through his patience. God has been teaching me a lot about patience lately. And oftentimes it comes through my nine-year-old daughter, who is nine going on 39. Pray for me, Riverside. (laughs) Man, does she know how to test the patience. And she really has been testing my wife's patience massively. I get phone calls at least once a week. Marlon, Marlon, you got to come home. You, you have no idea what Eden is doing. It's gotten to the point where I'm like, yeah, I actually do believe what she's doing. Like, it's not a shock anymore. We had our, our parent-teacher conference at the beginning of the year. And we, we sit down with her teacher. And the teacher is telling us, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Brown, your daughter Eden, she is so nice. And she is so helpful, and it's such a blessing to have her in the class. And I looked at her, and I was like, lady, she is setting you up. (laughs) She is. You don't realize it, but you're falling for it, and there's a humbling coming. So mark these words and remember this conversation, because it's coming. Oh, no, 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 Mr. Brown, she is a delight. Okay, okay. A few weeks later, I got a phone call. We needed to have a special meeting with the teacher. I was like, I don't need a special meeting. I already had this conversation with you. I know everything that you're going to say. And sure enough, we go to the classroom and she's like, Mr. and Mrs. Brown, your daughter is testing my patience. (laughs) She goes in and out of the classroom when she wants. She seems to do what she wants. She has a very strong personality, this girl. And I was like, hey, welcome to the family. (laughs) Now you understand what's going on at home. And the Lord has taught us so many things about patience through our daughter. But I love it because God is patient. And he's been teaching me how patient he is with me and with all of us. Psalm 103 verse 8 says this, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Do we need to hear that? Every single person in this room today needed to be reminded of that. Why? Because we know ourselves. We know we're not living up to the expectations. We're not spiritually where we should be. We are constantly doing things that we shouldn't be doing. We know we're a bunch of mess-ups. And so to be reminded that God is merciful and gracious, man, that is something every person here needs to hear. But my heart goes out to some of you in particular today. Because there are some of you sitting in this room this morning that blew it. I mean, you blew it, blew it. And you've been blowing it again and again and again. Each time you promise, God, I'm going to do better. God, I'm going to change. God, I'm going to stop. God, I'm going to improve. God, I promise this will be the last time. But it's not. And now you're sitting here deflated, beaten up questioning whether or not you really have a relationship with God at all. 
If that's you this morning, pay very close attention to that verse. God is gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. Friend, there is nothing you can do, no sin that you can commit, no trespass, no mistake, that is going to null and vilify this verse. It is for you. God is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy for you. The last part of the verse says this. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I, I love living in BC. Love it. I grew up in California, and I used to think that California was just like the best place on planet Earth, and I still love California. But I love BC. I mean, this is one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth. I'm convinced of that. <laughs> we give an amen to that. God created it. Amen. I, I love just getting out. I, I love the drive up to Whistler. When you're looking over English Bay, you're driving along the coast, and it's like, I, I, I can't even like come out with words to describe it sometimes. I pinch myself most of the time. Like, I, I lived like this place is so beautiful. I love it. And I've lived here long enough to know that weather plays a huge factor in our temperament and personality and just view on life. I, I understand that when spring comes around, it changes everything. <laughs> People are so much more happy and bubbly and friendly. And you start to think, oh, man, spring is here. The weather's nice. I can't wait to hit the hiking trails. Man, just go for a nice long hike and just watch all my worries and cares just fade away. Or, man, I, I can't wait to get back to our camping spot. That nice, quiet place where just the, the worries and cares of the world fade away. And, and we develop this mentality that, hey, as soon as spring comes, man, life is going to be so much better. And to an extent, I, I get it. But guys, spring is not going to fix all your problems. A change in weather is not the cure for what ails you. Why? Because although you're going to go up on that hike, you're also going to come back from that hike. And those same problems are going to be waiting for you when you get back. Although you're going to go camping and leave behind all the worries and cares, camping trip's going to end. And those same worries and cares are going to be there for you as soon as you get back. Springtime is not the cure for what ails you. Why? Because the rainy season's coming again. And we all know that living in Vancouver, man, winter's right around the corner. Before you know it, it's back. So what gives you peace? It's not the spring. John chapter 14. Turn over there. John chapter 14, look at what Jesus says in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus is saying there, hey, I have a peace that's what? Not of this world. 
It's not based on a vacation. It's not based on a hike. It's not based on a bump in salary. It's not based on geography or anything else. What is it based upon? Himself. Himself. And the Bible declares that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. So therefore, his peace changes not. Let's close it out. Back to Numbers. Verse 27, the last part. It says, So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. I think one of the biggest tragedies when people preach on this verse is that they often stop at verse 26. They, they tend to just zoom in on the priestly blessing itself, but verse 27 is just as important. Actually, for me, it's almost more impactful. It's so important. Because God declares something here that is so amazing. You can put up the, the next slide, the last slide. A few years ago, after living here for about a year and a half, the Lord had us encounter a young lady who was in a, a very tough situation. Uh, her name is Marta. She's there on the end, and her daughter, Aline. Uh, when we first met Marta, she had just moved to Canada from Slovakia. She had been in country probably about like five or six months, and her life was a mess. Her marriage was toxic and dangerous and just not a good situation. And, and we began to minister to her, and I mean, it, it was a tough situation. She was that type of person that was like a, like a wounded bird. Anytime you even talked to her, her head was always down, rarely making eye contact, just beaten down by the world. She grew up in an orphanage. At a very early age, she saw that her mother had hung herself. Her dad, she really never knew because he died at an early age as well, too. So her and her three sisters got put in an orphanage, not really knowing family besides the three sisters they had and the rest of the orphans who became her family. She got married at a very young age to a guy who she thought was great, but just turned out to be a bad situation. They moved around uh, across Europe and then finally came back to Canada, which is where he was from. And like I said, not long after being here, she realizes Man, my, my marriage is in a really, really bad spot. She's broken and she's hurting. And so as we ministered to her, we realized, hey, let's get you out of that environment. And so we offered for her and her daughter to come and live with us. And so her, Marta, and her daughter, Arlene, have become a part of Browntown. <laughs> they have become a part of our family. And so when I say, oh, here's my family, I'm not talking about my family of seven. We are a family of nine because we are 110% family. And we love her and we love Aline. Like they, they are us. And when we move from Surrey to Vancouver, they, I mean, they are always with us. Wherever we go, they, they are with us because they are part of our family. But here's the deal. There's, there's one thing that lacks in that. I can say till I'm blue in the face, you're my family, you're my family, you're my family, you're my family. But what's missing? What still prevents us from being family? The name. The name. At the end of the day, we don't share the same name. So my wife and I decided, let's change that. So we got online and we started researching adult adoptions and to see what we can do to officially, legally, adopt her into our family and give her our last name. Still a process we're going through, but we want her to know, hey, you are 
us. You are a part of our family. And we love you. We love you so much that we want to put our name on you. Guys, that is what the Lord is saying here. That is what he's saying here. Brother, sister, friend, Jesus is saying to you this morning, I love you so much. I care about you so much. You are so precious and wonderful to me that what? That I want to put my name upon you. Guys, that's got to melt your heart. That's got to blow your mind. Again, we know ourselves. We know there's nothing wonderful or lovely or great about us. But yet he still says, hey, I want to put my name upon you. How beautiful that is. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for your word and your truth. Thank you for the things that you've spoken to our heart. The ways that you've ministered to us. If I could, if the worship team is okay with coming back up. Guys, as as we continue just to meditate on this, I don't want you just to rush out and be like, oh yeah, that was interesting, and then get in your car and go to lunch. But take a time to really let it sink in and to process what the Lord wants to speak to your heart. We're going to end in one last worship song, but man, I encourage you, I implore you, whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this afternoon, receive it, embrace it. May this be a time where you hit the reset button And once again, you see God for who he clearly is. The one who blesses, the one who loves and keeps and wants to put his name upon you. A good, good, good God.